Good morning. So if you have your Bibles today, this is going to be a real study. So take them out or get ready on your cell phones with your Bible app. And uh, we're going to go through a lot of verses this morning. Um, Christmas is behind us. For some, they say, yay. (laughs) A new year is ahead of us. Uh, One of the things that we do as a tradition is um, at some point the week before Christmas is we go out looking at Christmas lights, Christmas decorations, things like that. And so on uh, Christmas Eve, Krista and I and uh, David and um, Christine went out looking at Christmas lights. And there are certain places we always go because they're, you know, light and sound shows and they're really spectacular and it's a lot of fun. Houses are you know, decorated and whatnot. There's a neighborhood in um, San, um, no, yeah, San Ramon, that has um, 161 houses in the neighborhood. They all get together and they all put lights up on their, on their houses and they're beautiful displays. One of the cul-de-sacs in this neighborhood has music and sound, and I've seen houses like this. In fact, one we visited one in, in uh, Tracy, but uh, where the house is decorated and they have sound uh, being sent out on speakers and the decorations are synced to the sound. It's really cool. But when we went into this cul-de-sac, they said, turn on your FM radio to such and such a frequency, and as you drive in, you can hear the sound being played through your uh, car, and every house in that cul-de-sac was synchronized to that music. It was really cool. And so as we drove through the neighborhood, we got to one place, and I remarked to the family, I said, you know, it's amazing to me. I said, there's no other person alive or who has ever lived where this much celebration goes on about their birth, about their coming. And uh, it's amazing how many people celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, I know there's a lot of other junk that's thrown in to Christmas as well, but the bottom line is it is a celebration of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. What other birth is celebrated with such excitement, with such festivity as the birth of Christ? And here, after 2,000 years, people are still celebrating his first coming uh, to the earth. How often I have seen posted online in uh, June, only six months more till Christmas, right? Well, just so you know, there are 362 more days before Christmas. Okay, mark it on your calendar. Um, From the very start, there was a celebration of Christmas, a celebration of the birth of Christ, a celebration of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to look at several verses, and and I want you to see a comparison. I thank Howard for, uh, he didn't know what the message was going to be, and I always enjoy hearing in the Lord's Supper, knowing what I'm going to preach on, hearing in the Lord's Supper um, clues of what's to come, and I think the Lord had it all arranged ahead of time. But from the very start, the celebration of the coming of Christ. There, first of all, there was a day appointed for it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law. So there was a day appointed for his coming. Secondly, the prophets predicted it, uh, declaring that he would be the promised uh, son of David, uh, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata. There's dozens and dozens of prophecies. We're only going to look at one. In Micah 5.2 it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Third, the angels proclaimed it. And there was an angel. I actually preached a sermon on this one time of, you know, how did God select that particular angel? And what a privilege it was for that angel to declare the birth of Christ. And it was as if all of heaven was being held back until that announcement was made. And it says, and suddenly with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, you know, proclaimed uh, joy to the Lord and, and uh, peace on earth and so on. So the angels proclaimed it. Luke 2, 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Next, the shepherds celebrated it. Luke 2, 15 through 18. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And so the shepherds celebrated the birth of Christ. And finally, wise men bearing gifts uh, traveled a great distance to come and worship him. And we see that in Matthew 2. Uh, I'll just read selective verses here. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. Uh, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And then verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What a, a marvelous thing that wise men sought him, found him, worshipped him. Well, we know from Scripture that he came to be our Savior. Why did he come? He came to be our Savior. For unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. God gave us the greatest gift of all, and that was his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to be our Savior. And it's reflected in what he says in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world. He loved you. He loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, Christmas is meant, I mean, the reason we celebrate it, it's meant to celebrate the Christ of Christmas, the one who came to be our Savior. But as I say, Christmas is over. It's done. New Year is upon us. 
We take down the lights. We've already taken down our Christmas tree. And the wrapping paper is put away and things are back in the box and the celebration of the first coming is over. And we are about to enter 2020. That's a weird number to me, 2020. And um, so we're going to talk about it in terms of having proper vision, right? 2020 vision. What are we going to think about and, and uh, do this coming year? Every time we enter into a new year, I always wonder inside, you know, could this be the year of the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord? He promised he would come again. And um, there was such precision in his first coming with answers to biblical prophecies that we have no doubt. I mean, it, it, when I read those verses and when I read other verses connected with his first coming, it, it's a great encouragement to me that God made these promises hundreds of years prior to the events uh, taking place with such precision, and they all took place according to his promises. If that's true, and it is, of his first coming, how much more so, or how much equally so, it will be true of his second coming? And so I ask you the question, could this be the year for the second coming of Christ, uh, the second coming of our Lord? And as we make the same sort of comparison between what we said in the, of, of his first coming, we make the same comparison for the second coming. There is a day appointed for it. Number one, Matthew 24, 36 says this, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So you can't mark your calendar with a specific date this year or next year or, or even this, this year. Um, but there is a day appointed. And God knows what that day is, and he's not going to wait a day longer than that day that is appointed. Secondly, the prophets and Jesus predict it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. John 14, 1 through 3 says this. Jesus said this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so Jesus predicted this day as well. And also in Revelation uh, 3, verses 10 and 11, it says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. The prophets predicted it. The angels will proclaim it, just like they did in the first, uh, the first case. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in 
Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But the angels will proclaim it as well, or an archangel at least. Well, the shepherds aren't going to be involved unless they're believers. But if they're part of the church, if we are part of the church, uh, we will celebrate it, the second coming. First Thessalonians 4.17 says this, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And in Revelation 5, 9 and 10, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And there's a celebration uh, that will take place in heaven, and for all eternity we will worship the one who saved us, redeemed us by his blood. Just like in the first coming, in the second coming, I would say this, that wise men still seek him and worship him. In Isaiah 55, 6, it's really talking to people who don't yet know the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, I would say, be wise, seek him, worship him. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. It's interesting, you know, in, your, in the study of the scripture, I, I actually find it delightful to go through verses like this and, and kind of make a contrast or a comparison between the first coming and the second coming, knowing that all of these things that he says about the second coming are going to come true specifically and in exactly the way he says uh, they will take place. And I'm confident of that based on what happened in the first coming. Um, some of the prophets actually spoke of both comings together in one verse or in, in two verses together. Um, there's several places like this, but I'm going to just read one. This is a verse that's often quoted at Christmas time. Um, but it actually speaks not just of his coming in his incarnation, the first coming, but it speaks also of his second coming. It says this uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 For unto us. A child is born, unto us a son is given. First coming or second coming? Obviously it's the first coming, right? And the government will be upon his shoulder. Did that happen when he came the first time? No, it did not. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, since he has not come yet to establish his kingdom and set up his government on the earth, obviously this refers to his second coming. But that same section of scripture, which speaks so eloquently of his first coming, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, also says all the rest of this, and it's just, it will come true just as accurately as the first part of that verse did. The Bible prophecies are clear, they are certain, and the precise fulfillment of the prophecies um, should, of the first coming should give us comfort, it should give us hope, it should give us assurance that the prophecies 
that are still to be fulfilled will come uh, to pass. Jesus foretold his own second coming. But you say, the natural question is, well, when will he come? When will he come? After all, this is almost 2020. Uh, Jesus uh, died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven about 2,000 years ago. That's a long time. And so the question is when? When will he come again? Well, like I said, although no one has a specific date on their calendar, and I warn you, I forbid you, from putting dates on your calendars, as so many people have tried in the past, don't do it. You're told not to in the scripture. Know this, that he could come today. There's nothing preventing him from coming today. There's nothing preventing him from coming tomorrow or next year or waiting 100 years. There's nothing preventing him except one thing. The reason for the delay is told to us in the scripture, and that is that his long-suffering toward us, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if there's a delay of 2,000 years, nobody expected that, but if there's a delay of 2,100 years or 2,200 years, the only reason, it's not because he doesn't want to come back and bring his church home to be with him, but he is waiting for the last person who will trust him to say, Lord, I do. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And if that's you, don't hold up his second coming. Trust in him today. When we say Jesus is coming again, or we talk about the second coming, um, it's important for us to communicate what we mean by that. Um, The Bible teaches us that the second coming of Christ includes at least four major events, and it covers a period of time that that spans at least 1,007 years. So when you say the second coming of Christ, you have to be careful what part of that 1,007 years you're talking about And so I'm not going to go into great, great detail, but I just want to give you a quick overview of um, what that entails. And I want to illustrate it this way. Um, If I said to you, my Canadian family is coming to visit us, or is coming for Christmas, so let's just say that again. If I say to you that my Canadian family is coming for Christmas, you do not think in your mind, oh, They're coming the moment they start opening presents, and they're leaving as soon as the presents are finished. Nobody thinks that way, okay? What you think of is that, oh, they're coming sometime before Christmas Day so that they're there. They're going to celebrate Christmas Day with you and probably open presents and eat dinner and get fat and all that kind of stuff, and then stay for a few more days afterward until they go back home. And so when I say they're coming you don't think in terms of one single event. You think of the whole range of time that's included in that. And the same thing is true of the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. It's made up of at least four major events. There's a whole bunch of other events in between, but it spans at least 1,007 years. Um, 
And so let's just talk about them real quick. As believers living in the church age, when we talk about his second coming, we, we most often refer to the rapture. We think in terms of the rapture because that's the next event that we're waiting for. The rapture is when Jesus comes from heaven to the air, not to the earth. He comes to the air and he calls those who are part of the church home to be with him. And it says the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we always be or forever be with the Lord. And so when we say the second coming of Christ in the church age, we think in terms of the rapture. That's the first, next logical event to take place. And so that is event number one. The second event starts immediately following the rapture, and that is the seven years of tribulation. That tribulation period is um, broken into two major sections, and that is the tribulation period, and then halfway between, uh, at the end of three and a half years, it marks the beginning of what is called the Great Tribulation, when there's an intensity um, of events that takes place, and, and it's God's taking up um, of the 70th week of, prophet, of Daniel's prophecy that still has not been fulfilled, 69 weeks have been fulfilled. There's a 70th week dealing primarily with Israel and God calling Israel to himself. And Israel will come ultimately to the Lord during that period of time. But the earth will suffer a tremendous outpouring of God's wrath. And the, the amount of the population that perishes during that time is astounding. Um, and that is called the tribulation period. And so that's the second major event that we are anticipating. It happens, it, it begins right after the church is gathered out from the earth because we are not uh, under God's wrath. Uh, the, the wrath for our sins was already taken place on the cross. Jesus bore it for us and we are not going to suffer wrath as well. And so he takes us out of the earth his wrath is poured out upon the earth during that seven-year period, and we are with the Lord in heaven. Now, during that same period of time, so those are events taking place on earth, but what's happening to us in heaven, the, the church in heaven, there are two major events in heaven during that time as well. One is the uh, judgment seat of Christ, which is a time not to see whether you should be in heaven or not. You're already there, and you will be for all eternity. It's not a question about your sins. It's a question about rewards for service that you have done for him, either re being rewarded for service or loss of rewards because we were too lazy or neglectful or whatever. But it's really a time, the judgment seat of Christ has really more to do with the rewards that Jesus offers to all believers who love him and serve him. And um, uh, that takes place. And then the second major event in heaven is the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the church is considered his bride, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are married to him uh, in heaven, and that also takes place during that same period of time. So that's the second, the tribulation and all of that that takes place in heaven is the second period of time. It's a seven-year period um, of history. The third is 
called the millennium. The millennium basically means a thousand years. And Jesus comes after the tribulation period and comes not to the air, but comes to the earth. And you have to make those distinctions in the scripture. He comes to the earth and he defeats his enemies and he establishes his rightful rule um, on earth with Israel as his capital, David's throne as the rightful ruler on the throne, and we shall reign with him um, during that thousand-year period. Strangely enough, at the end of the thousand years, uh, Satan during that thousand-year period is... is um, cast into the bottomless pit. He is uh, not influencing things on the earth during that period of time. There will be peace on earth, uh, joy. I mean, the Lord is reigning. And you would think that no one would ever turn their backs on the Lord uh, after having experienced a long life and, and, and peace and all the rest of it. But at the end, the Lord allows Satan a short period of time and he uh, influences people who have not really had faith or trust in Jesus Christ, and they, are, uh, they follow him, and they are destroyed with him. So the fourth major event, then, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ is what we call the eternal state. And it's the heavens and the earth will be destroyed by fire, and the elements will be rolled back as a scroll, and uh, the great white throne judgment will take place. This is a judgment for sins, but it is not a judgment upon Christians. We've already, as I said, our, the judgment for our sins has already been taken care of at the cross. This is to do with those who have rejected Jesus Christ for all time. They're raised from the dead. They stand before him at the great white throne judgment, and he judges them for their sin. And you say, well, what judgment is there? They're all going to be sent to the lake of fire. But it's interesting that even in the scripture, there are differences of judgment even in the lake of fire, the severity of judgment. They're never going to be released from the lake of fire. They will all suffer judgment. But Jesus even said that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for certain cities that he did miracles in when he was on the earth. And so there's a He's indicating through that that there are even levels of, of um, eternal suffering, which is kind of an interesting thought process there. But regardless, the great white throne judgment has only to do with um, those who do not know the Lord, and they are going to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Well, that's quite a uh, scan of events, isn't it? And I feel like I'm a little child on the side of a lake that is flat and smooth and I pick up a flat smooth stone and I'm skipping it across the surface of the water and we're just kind of hitting highlights of the, of the second coming of the Lord. Nevertheless, it's important for us as believers to be reminded that Jesus is coming again. We put so, we, we put so many things on our calendars. My calendar is full for next year. It's crazy. We put so many events, so many things on our calendar. Um, we have so many distractions clamoring for our attention. We have so many things to do. And, you know, when we forget or when we don't think of the second coming of Christ, uh, we often become discouraged. 
and we often become, um, we often lose hope. And, and we can let down our guard in our spiritual battle if we're not thinking about the second coming of Christ, and we lose our eternal perspective. But when we are reminded of his coming, it rekindles hope, anticipation, urgency, and love. And as we enter into 2020, I want to encourage you to expect the Lord to come back at any time. Soon, the song says, soon and very soon, we are going to see the Lord. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah. You know, I know that when I um, speak to Christians who are suffering, uh, going through trials, this, this teaching on the second coming of Christ all of a sudden becomes so much more precious. When things are going smoothly and you don't have a care in the world and everything is, you know, great, you go, the Lord is coming back. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know? But when you're hurting, when you're suffering, when there is pain, and you say, the Lord is coming back, oh, it can't be soon enough, you know? And that should be our, our thought all the time about the Lord's coming. It can't be soon enough. In 2020, let's, so the question is this, how should we live with 2020 vision, right? How should we live? In 2020, we should be ready, and we should be Watching, And so I'm going to give you just a few verses that talk about that. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That is referring to the first coming. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. In other words, Jesus Christ came um, and he's offering salvation by grace to all. That happened in his first coming teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So that first coming and his salvation for us by his grace should teach us how to live here and now. And that is um, avoiding worldly lusts, living soberly, righteously, and godly. Then it says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's his second coming. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's the purpose of his coming. In Mark 13, it says this, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And so that should be our um, call for 2020, watch. Jesus is coming again. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13 says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what things? This entire world, the, the universe will be dissolved. 
What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. If you've been watching the news over the last uh, month or so, or I mean, it doesn't matter, your whole life, really, there is such unrighteousness on the earth, you know? There's such unrighteousness in my heart. Um, you know, when you, when you think about it, um, the Lord saved us, and he saved us to be righteous. And when you think of the world and the corruption of the world around us, you say, wow, I'm looking forward to that time when there's a new earth in which righteousness dwells. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11 says this, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. So in 2020, we should be ready. We should be watching. In 2020, we should be comforting one another and encouraging one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 says this, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is at the end of that passage that talks about believers who have died and have been buried, and, and we're left with the sorrow of losing friends, family members, those who were near and dear to us. And it is sorrowful. But at the end of the day, the Lord is saying in that passage, look, they're not dead and forgotten. In fact, they're the ones who are going to rise first. And then we, if we are alive when the Lord comes back uh, in the rapture, we will be caught up together with them in, in the clouds to be with the Lord in, in, forever. And so the, there's great encouragement in knowing that. I mean, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to, to learn about their future, and it's always fake, okay? Nobody knows, right? You don't know what a day will bring forth. The scripture tells us that. But here we know. And the wonderful thing is that if you die as a believer, and as a believer you lose a loved one, you know that you will be reunited together with them on that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and takes us home to be with him forever. And so together we shall always be with the Lord. Not just me personally, but all of those who have gone before us. 
have died in faith, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be together with them again. That, what a great uh, reunion that will be, seeing um, you know, people that we haven't seen for decades even. Um, but most importantly, we shall see the Lord and we shall worship him together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. In this earth, we will have trials. We will have tribulation. We will have suffering. There, you know, Christians get sick just like the unsaved do. Uh, Christians have trials just like the unsaved do. But as believers, we have a hope that they don't have. Uh, and I've mentioned this before to you, that I've been in hospitals where unbelievers lose their uh, loved one you know, in the hospital. And the sorrow is, is so tragic because they have no hope of ever seeing them. They have no hope of ever being reunited. But as believers, we do. And so in Hebrews 10, 24, it says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming. We need to encourage one another to, to, to continuously have that focus in our lives, that 2020 vision. Jesus is coming again. In 2020, we need endurance. Never give up, and you will be richly rewarded. Hebrews 10, 35 says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, that is the, this is the promise, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He's coming. We are closer today than the disciples were when Jesus left this earth. We are 2,000 years closer to his coming. And I, I have to say, at times, I'm on tiptoes waiting with anticipation for that, for that uh, call uh, to glory. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so as we anticipate the coming of the Lord, and we're longing for it, looking forward to it, we love his appearing there's a reward that he is offering here in the scripture as well, and that is the crown of righteousness for all who love his appearing. In 2020, we may see the Lord. Finally, we may see the Lord. We've talked about the Lord. We've worshiped the Lord. We have spoken of him. We've told others about him. But one day, and it may be in 2020, it may be this afternoon, we will see the Lord. And no longer will we worship him and love him and serve him by faith only, but also by sight. We will see the Lord, the one who loved you, the one who gave his own blood for your salvation. We are going to see the Lord.
I hope that encourages your heart. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is with us here on earth, but I have never physically seen him. And I'm looking forward to that day. And I think it'll be an amazing day where I will immediately fall to my knees and worship him. 1 John 3 says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We shall see him and be like him. We're not going to physically look like him, but we will be morally like him. We will be perfected like him. That's an amazing thing to look forward to. Will 2020 be the year that we see the Lord? I sure hope so. Unless he comes in 2019. I'm I'm good with that too. (laughs) But if the Lord came today or on January 1st, 2020, or any time during next year, I just have to ask you the question, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you sure of your salvation and sure that you will see him face to face? If not, today is the day of salvation. He's offering it to you. Trust in him as your your Lord and Savior. Will 2020 be the year when we see the Lord? For those of you who are ready and for those of you who are waiting, we say, even so, come quickly. Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we anticipate your soon return. We think of how perfectly you fulfilled the scriptures regarding your first coming, and we know that you will do the same with regard to your coming again. And Lord, we really do long to be with you. We really do long for that day when we will see you face to face. We long to be able to be free from all of our distractions, our pain, suffering, sorrow, hurt. Lord, all of these things that that just dog us in this life. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come quickly. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen.